Dora's Den podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And if you hear the sound of rain in the background, that's because it is raining cats and dogs right now. And this is about the only time I have to do the podcast, so we're going to just push through it together. <laughs> uh, this week, what I want to tackle is the subject of struggle, resistance, What's the point? Why does it happen? Is God in it? How does grace work in that? Those kind of thoughts. And if you could see my notes right now, it's literally a sticky note. So who knows where this thing's going? <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to start and uh, see where we go. So, so recently I was reminded of there is such... Um, there's so much to be thankful for in the midst of a season where you feel like there's struggle going on all around you internally, externally, relationally, circumstantially, uh, financially, emotionally. I mean, every aspect of life, uh, obviously in the midst of it, it doesn't feel like something to be real happy about and thankful for, but, but with the gift of perspective, you can actually enjoy the struggle uh, even though for sure the struggle is real. And the, the point of struggle isn't, um, it is not to, to demean you. It is not to belittle you. It is not uh, for you to know where your, your place is. Uh, the, I, I believe the real point of the struggle is to prepare you to steward promises that are much bigger than you've ever realized. And if you look at the life of the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt, they go through the wilderness, and remember the point of the wilderness was to prepare them for the promised land. Now typically what we think is the world, the wilderness is really difficult, it's really lean, it's really challenging, and the promised land is lush and lavish and amazing, and how do we short circuit this process so we can get to the promised land? And to some degree there, those, those words could accurately portray the, some differences between the wilderness and the promised land. But but here's the reality. The promised land typically doesn't have a lot of battles. It doesn't have a lot of things that you got to face and you got to fight through. Sure, it's lean and that may be a, a struggle in and of itself. But the point is to help you recognize the sustaining power of God that when you step into the promised land and everything just seems to work, that you don't forget the rock from which you were hewn. You don't forget that it's God who created this amazing life in you, through you, and for you. And because if you were to trip back into believing it is because of you and not Christ in you, then actually what begins to happen is the 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 level of struggle you thought you were experiencing uh, is about to go up tenfold because now to sustain the level of breakthrough or the level of manifestation that the promised land holds in a paradigm that says it's up to you will absolutely kill you. And there's something that 
grows in you, develops in you when you go through struggle that actually allows you to make great decisions when your decisions, when your options are limitless versus in the wilderness when your options are limited. You know, typically in the wilderness, it's either God comes through or I die. (laughs) Or at least that's what it feels like. Because the truth is he's going to come through. He may not come through in the way you think or the way you want or the way you plan, but he will come through in a way that is better than you could come up with. But in the promised land, what it what it flips to is now God trusts you to be able to make that good decision. And at the end of the day, it's not you on your own, but it's you realizing you're already in union with Jesus. Therefore, it's a, you're able to easily and joyfully make the right decision. But part of that is you have gone through a place of difficulty, so you have learned to discern what isn't God and what isn't you, but is the enemy. What is in the atmosphere that's not for you to pick up and try to carry. And there's a reason why Paul writes in Colossians 1.29, he says, I struggle. And if you look up that word, you know what it means? Struggle. (laughs) Doesn't mean cakewalk, it means struggle. But it says this, I struggle with all his energy, which works so powerfully within me. In other words, there's this season where you're learning to come into a place of rest and decision-making and in uh, vision for the future and knowing what you're, uh, this clarity of calling that is on your life. There's a season where you are, you're, you're still trying to make it happen knowing that isn't the way of God, yet you don't know how to let Him do it because in your mind, when you try to let Him do it, He doesn't do much. But the truth is because He's He's allowing you to come to a place where it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how significant your calling is. It doesn't matter if other people applaud. It doesn't matter if everyone's excited about what you're into or not because at the end of the day, it's the joy of relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit, and you included in the life of Christ that are getting to work out this glorious salvation together, and it's that joy that makes it all worthwhile. Whether people turn and do a flip or not, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's fellowship with the Godhead that makes this thing worthwhile, not the applause of men. Here's the thing, and I can't. I can honestly say I haven't had lots of those, but I've had a few of those. And I and I will say this, they're not that great. At the end of the day, what feels good at the moment, after a, a few uh, a places of disappointment, you start realizing it's not worth it to build my whole life around someone giving me a pat on the back and saying, great job, bud. It's just, there's no point. So, so sometimes God in his mercy, and absolutely this is the grace of God, will let you Try and spin your wheels and not see stuff work so you'll come to a place of absolute, I quit and I'm going to trust you, God. I'm not going to try to help you anymore. I'm just going to trust you. And then you know what begins to happen? It's these little divine these little divine impulses. It's, oh, let me try this. Oh, I have an idea. Oh, there, I desire to do that. Oh, I'm going to try it. And, oh, there's a little fruit on that. Oh, there's a little bit more. And and there's this rhythm and this pace and this, this, this walk with God that begins to emerge 
that has life on it, has joy in it, has fruit on it. And it's not the fruit of me pumping something out. It's the fruit of me trusting and resting and watching Christ in me give me desire to put my hand to the plow and to see fruitfulness and to realize when fruit is born, it is God. And, you know, here's, you, you know, sometimes people make this statement. Yeah, yeah, it's all God, but, you know, you got to do something. And honestly, when you make that statement, what you realize is you don't really understand it. Or if you do understand it, you're afraid that people will misunderstand you. So, so you put it back on them. But here, here's how it works. Technically, yes, my body expends energy. Technically, yes, I have thoughts and ideas, and I, and those thoughts and ideas have direction behind them, and I move in that direction. So, yes, I'm quote-unquote doing something, but you have to pull it back to this. Where do those thoughts and ideas come from? God. Where did that energy come from? God. Where did the confidence to take action come from? God. So who is the one who is willing and doing within me? Jesus, Father, the, the Father, the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity, the divine, the divine Godhead is at work in me. That's what Paul's getting at when he says, work out your salvation. He's not saying, he's not saying get frustrated about it and figure it all out. He's saying, no, no, no. It is God at work in you. And then God begins to work out of you. And God begins to work through you, and it begins to be displayed to the world around you. It is, it is not a trusting in self. It is a trusting in Jesus that, that empowers everything. So it literally is true. It is God who does the whole thing. He's the one who keeps you. He's the one that motivates you. He's the one that sustains you. He's the one that refreshes you. He's the source of your ideas. He's the source of your strength. He's the source of your literal, physical, human energy. He's the source of your your ideas. He's the source of it all. He inspires every step. He gives joy in the process. He gives that wonderful sense of almost like you're glowing when you begin to move in the call of God on your life. Guess what? God's the author of it all. He's the author and the finisher of your faith and the sustainer of it. So struggle is not a bad thing. In fact, it's just like going to the gym. When you start lifting weights, you kind of struggle to get them up. But here's what happens. Putting a demand on the muscle causes the muscle to grow. God allows you to walk through resistance, to walk through difficulty, to walk through challenge because Putting a demand on the life of Christ in you causes you to focus on Jesus. When you focus on Jesus, he becomes the lens of all of life. He becomes the leaven of all of life. He becomes the, the, the you, you start to realize he is the source of all of life. He becomes the focal point. And when he's the focal point, he grows in your understanding of who you are, of who he is and how life 
works. It's how Paul could write words like, follow me as I follow Christ. Timothy's coming to remind you of my way of life in Christ. Not just my disciplines, not just my habits, not just my practices, but a literal entire way of living that is motivated by the life of Jesus. We can cross-reference that with Galatians 2 where it says, It says, Christ's life showed me how. I stopped living my own life, and I started living the life of God in me. And it was the life of Jesus that actually taught, instructed, informed me how to actually live in this world as a new creation in Christ. This is why James can pin in James chapter 1 verse 2, consider it all joy when you face trials. There's something in walking through resistance that actually sets you up to grow. And it's when you grow that you're able to bear more and more and more fruit, not through your own effort, but by the life of Jesus in you. And that's good news. If you look at the life of a caterpillar, uh, this is the thing that we often use when we use the word transformation. A caterpillar literally goes into a cocoon and it becomes a different substance, a new creation, which happened to you in the cocoon of the, the grave of Jesus. And in the awakening, in the coming to uh, in the coming of age, of the awakening of the life of Christ in you, or in the the, the exit from the cocoon for the caterpillar as a butterfly. Guess what happens? Struggle. Guess why struggle happens? Because the struggle prepares the butterfly, the new substance, to actually live in the world it was created for. And if you open that cocoon on behalf of the butterfly, You'll kill it. It won't have the strength and the stamina to actually live. It is in the resistance. It's in the struggle. It's in the pressure. Paul said it this way. I think it's in 2 Corinthians. I am hard-pressed on every side. I am perplexed, but not abandoned. I I, I am persecuted, but not brought to despair. It's in the pressing in on every side that you learn what you don't need. You learn the mindsets you can let go of. You learn the opinions of man you don't need to spin your wheels on. You learn the ways of the world that don't need to have rulership in your thought life. You learn the leaven of religion that you don't need to mess with. You learn there's a lot that you can ignore. And there's one voice that you can give attention to. And it's in that place of struggle, it's in that place of resistance that you learn. It says in Hebrews of Jesus, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. We don't have to be afraid of suffering. Suffering isn't you getting yours or you getting what's coming to you. Suffering or resistance or or challenge is you learning what's not required and you learning he sustains you in all things. It's in the place of pressure that the life of Jesus is revealed. 
and that the life of Jesus is seen as supreme, that it's unsearchable riches. So don't run from a challenge. Don't run from persecution. Don't run from resistance. Don't run from difficulty. It's in those places that you will find the most life. It's an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom is upside down. It's not in the place of ease, but it's in the place of difficulty that you learn to live in ease. <laughs> and when your circumstances are easy, awesome. And when they're difficult, you can live as if they are easy. <laughs> Paul, in the midst of prison, discovered a paradise who was a person named Jesus. He is the Garden of Eden. He is self-giving, other-focused love. And it's focused on you, and it's focused on those around you. So hopefully this has been encouraging. Hopefully this has been life-giving. Father, I thank you that in the midst of struggle, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of resistance, Father, we can embrace it and enjoy it. Not because we love pain, but because we see a bigger purpose. We see a bigger, a bigger reality. We see reality, not just circumstance. We see what is unseen, not just what is temporal and seen. We don't live by what is felt. We live by who is holding us together. So, Father, I thank you for revelation. I thank you for joy. I thank you for an increase in understanding. In this, in this season, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care.